In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Let us pray. Dear Father, once again we gather together in this in this place that you have blessed us with that that we as as in a great number and sometimes in a small number we can come together to hear from thy word that which thou has that we should partake of even this evening father bless bless all of zion Bless your children near and far. Bless those that desire to hear the word and are able to partake and are able to come together. Bless those who desire to hear the word and are not able to be with us. Bless those that do not desire to hear the word. Work within the hearts of all. Your elect, work within the hearts that and prepare us for that last for that last time that that we will partake here in this life whether it is the last time individually that one would be called away or whether it is that that day that we awake when that eastern sky is open and and you come to come to gather all of your own our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. The next song is number 276.
as the brothers spoke this morning, how uh, when we are called to come up to this place, it's it's often a uh, difficult. difficult thing to do for uh, God gives words as he will and uh, I know I've only spoken here in your midst for two or three years but it's I found out in this in this short time that it's you know, we can, as the saying is, that man plans and God decides. Seems like even for this place that when uh, we have been asked to come here, you know, we would prayerfully read God's Word and look through the Scriptures and see what God might have us speak for a text and uh, we may read through it and and within our mind and we uh, we we think that we have something to speak of you know once we go through the text and uh, that there would be enough, there would be enough there to speak. That uh, that hopefully God would edify His people. But then we come up here, and, and many times it's you know after we read the text, it's it's altogether different than what we had planned. And as such, when we don't, as was spoken, that we don't lay out a sermon and write it and prepare it, but we ask God that He would, that His Spirit would, would feed us. So those that come here can only come with a prayer that, that God would edify His own. And that that's spoken is maybe some of what we have thought to speak of, but most often times we we forget we forget what we thought to speak, and and uh, God gives something else. So it's it seems like it's to us anyhow. It's not at all planned, and uh, but we know that God, who is the Planner of all plans, he he has ordained that it would go that way, and as uh, also was spoken, that sometimes the preacher can can think that it was just a dry sermon and nothing even came forth, and and uh, we leave this place, maybe even hanging our heads that that nothing was. Nothing was opened. 
but it may be to to the hearts of the listeners that there was something there and maybe just one maybe just one would partake and and for that we we want to give thanks and it is we are sinful man God has ordained it that way that the preachers of God's word are not not holy saints without sin but we also are are sinners and go through this life with the same trials and temptations and and the devil, you know, is working within our, within our hearts, just as with everyone else, trying to rob us of this faith that God has given. And it was no different with David. For we read in the Psalms, in the 51st Psalm, even after David had his great fall with the matter of Uriah, he cried unto God, he said, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness. According to the multitude of tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against thee, thee only, have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest, and be clear when thou judgest. David, though he was the apple of God's eye, God had chosen him, the prophet had, had anointed David to, to lead the people, but yet the devil worked fiercely within him. And so it seems that, that those there, that are in the place of leadership, that the devil especially wants to caused to fall. But the heart of David was such that that when the prophet Nathan came and pointed out his sin, he quickly acknowledged acknowledged what he was and, and so it is with us when the Spirit of God comes and, and speaks to us concerning our sin, that we should quickly, quickly consider the matter. Is the truth being spoken and, and am I truly guilty before God? And I'm sure we'll find that, that so very often we are.
and we cry unto, cry unto God for mercy. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of tender mercies. You see, David knew the heart of God. God wasn't a stranger unto him. Even though he fell so grievously, David already had come to know the heart of his, of his heavenly Father. And he knew that he had great loving kindness and that he had multitudes of tender mercies. And he besought his heavenly Father according to these that he would blot out his transgression from him. He says, wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. And though we have been placed upon this walk, though God has worked within our hearts and brought us to a knowledge of our sin, so that we have died unto, the, unto sin and unto the law, and God has extended His grace and set our feet upon that rock. It is not as though we no longer have temptation. It is not, not as though we no longer fall into sin. And we often have to cry unto our Heavenly Father and cry unto the children of God those ambassadors that God has given us to wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. So often we have to confess confess to one another, as we said, the ambassadors of, of Christ, those who re represent the living God here on earth, and cry unto them and confess confess our iniquity and confess our sin. And those who are in that position often or will always proclaim forgiveness of sins through the shed blood the name and shed blood of Jesus. That blood that has been shed on Calvary's center cross. That blood that yet flows. That yet flows from the wounds of Jesus. That everlasting blood, that everlasting sacrifice that washes sin away. We find there within the wounds of Jesus I still remember when the late brother Ed Heike, oh how he he once, once desired a, he said it would be nice if you could paint a picture for me. He said of, of one that would be 
asking forgiveness of their sin. And that one that would bless him would have his hand on his shoulder, but he would be pointing with his other hand toward the hill of Golgotha. And he would be pointing at our Lord Jesus as he hangs on the center cross. Because here is where forgiveness is. And here is where new birth is. It is not in the it is not in the confession or in the words spoken by the messenger of God, though it is the means of grace, but the grace itself is, is in the wounds of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. These wounds that were opened in our behalf so that we could have that hope of eternal life. Against thee, thee only, have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight. You know, many times Though we do wrong against one another, we sometimes forget that it is God who has made the commandment. You children, when you are disobedient to your mother and dad, do you realize that it wasn't your mother and dad who made the commandment to honor thy father and thy mother, but it was God who made that commandment. So when we don't obey mother and father, we sin against God in heaven. And this sin has been so great that what we deserve for it is to, is to burn in hellfire. But God has loved us. God has loved children, and God has loved older people. God has loved mom and dads. God has loved grandpas and grandpas. And that's why he has sent Jesus to come and take those sins of disobedience and put them upon himself and go onto the cross of Calvary and there to die for us. Because not, of, not only of our sins of disobedience, but for all the, the vast multitude of sins that seem to come, Jesus has had to die for them all. Otherwise, we would have no hope. Mm -hmm. 
And further down he speaks, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast not away from thy cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. So so it was when after David had fallen into sin, likewise with us. The cry from within the heart is that God would create a clean heart within us. That God would 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 free us from sin. So So terrible is sin when it weighs upon the conscience that though we know, we know that we'll never be free from sin in this life, the cry of the heart is to, is that God would take it away. For we desire a pure heart before God. Because when we have come to see what Jesus has had to suffer for sin. And we see the sin that still is within us. It grieves, it grieves the heart. A man would desire that God would renew a right spirit within us. And that, we were, that he would not cast us away from his presence nor take his Holy Spirit from us. So we know who have had like experiences, maybe not to the, to the depths, of outward adultery and murder as David, yet within our hearts, I'm sure there isn't a man here that has not, cannot admit to the fact that he has looked upon a woman with lust. And Jesus knows, and Jesus has spoken that your sin is just as great. That even if it is just within the heart, that we have already committed adultery. And it is already worthy, a worthy sin for the fires of hell. So in, it also is a worthy sin that Jesus has had to bear in Gethsemane for us. This evening we'll read a few, for a text we'll read a few verses from the second chapter of Ephesians. the first through the tenth verse. And we'll read it in Jesus' name. And you hath he quickened who are dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all have our conversation in times past, in the lusts of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy, 
for his great love wherewith he loved us. Even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace are ye saved, and has raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might chew the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Amen. We see here how the Apostle Paul speaks much of those same matters that that David spoke of in the in the psalm that we just read from. He says, And you hath he quickened. To be quickened means to be made alive. Who were dead in trespasses and sin. This being dead that it speaks of here in an outward sense, it would be very lively. For when we are in this world, and we run according to the course of this world, there doesn't seem to be any death within us. It seems that all is fine and all is well with the world, and with ourselves. And we run, and we have fun. And we enjoy to the fullest that which this world has got to offer for us. Whether it is as the young or middle-aged or old, we all have our own desires that we would want to run in and partake of when we are dead in trespasses and sins. But God desires to do a work within our heart so that he could quicken us. It says, wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. This spirit... This spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience is that spirit that, that we walk according to when we are dead in trespasses and sins. It says, Among whom also we all had our conversation in times past, in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. God speaks through the apostle here of the of that ungodly throng who have not been made partakers of Christ. Now there are many groups that we could we may be able to 
classify people in within their Christianity, within their lifestyle. Some may be atheists and deny deny that there is even a God. There are some who acknowledge that there may be a God. There are some that have have bettered their own lives and joined the church. There are many different levels of uh, of people in this world. Some better, some worse. But before God, before God there is the sheep and the goats. Just as he says he will divide them on the last day. Those who have been made partakers of Christ and those who have not. Those who are born again and those who are not. And God here speaks of that group that is not partakers of Christ when he speaks here of those who we all had our conversation with in times past. In the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of our flesh, and of the mind, and we're by nature the children of wrath, even as others. And it also speaks earlier in the verse before of, of the spirit that worketh in the children of disobedience. We've often heard of the love of the truth, that it that this is one, one characteristic of a child of God is that they have a love of the truth. For the spirit that worketh, as it says here in the children of disobedience, is a deceitful spirit. It is one that is, has much guile. And it is not a spirit that loves the truth. But there is much deceitfulness, lying. And much of it is before man, and even more before God. Oftentimes man wants to deceive God and finds that he deceives his own his own self for God is a God is God is the truth and he knows the truth and man when he would want to present himself according to his own goodness or his own standard of righteousness and present himself before God as some, or someone who is something God who is truthful can see the falseness that is within man and the deceit that is one without that is in one without the love of the truth and it speaks here of us that we also have been here we also have been in this place, it says, among whom also we all had 
our conversation in times past. And it speaks of God and His mercy then. It says, But God, who is rich in mercy, for His great love, wherewith He loved us, even when we were dead in sins, has quickened us together with Christ. When we yet run in the ways of this world, When the things of this world draw our hearts, whether it is the riches and the pleasures that the riches can buy, or the small things that come free like the, the music of this world, the fashions of this world, they all want to draw our hearts away from the matters of, of living Christianity. When these things happen, God looks upon us as a people and he sees and he sees how we are drawn to all of these things. And God in his eternal being long ago when the worlds were being formed God saw us in our love of this world. And as the Bible says that the Lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world, God so long ago saw our love for this world, saw our love for the things of this world. And He has given His Son. And Jesus, in great agony, has taken our love for this world upon Himself. Jesus has stood before that great judgment throne as the greatest lover of this world. He has stood there before God, silent, when the accusations of the love of the world were placed upon him. Because we are drawn to the fashions of the world, because we are drawn to the music of the world, because we are drawn to the riches of the world, Jesus stood before God. And when the love of this world was judged, and was judged contrary to the righteousness of God, Jesus had to bear the penalty for it, that which we love to do, that which draws our hearts so much. Jesus has had to stand before the righteous throne of God, and he had to stand there guilty, and he had to bear the penalty for it. This is, this is what it speaks of where but God, who is rich in mercy and His great love, wherewith He loved us, even when we were dead in sins, has quickened us together with Christ.
Here in just a short verse, in a short sentence, it speaks of when we were dead in sins and have quickened us together with Christ. What a great matter is, is, is enclosed within this short sentence. For there is a great work that has to be done within man's heart, within this short sentence. And it is this word that God has given us that does this work. That man would come to know himself. For as often been spoken, we, we don't go from a happy earth to a happy heaven. But God does a work within our hearts. And He wants to strip us, strip us of the joy of this world. And He wants to give us a joy that is far greater. One that we cannot describe in material things. But it is a joy that is given to the heart of the believer. And when God strips us of all this and all of our own goodness, we find that we are without nothing and we die as we heard this morning. Man comes to a place of death. Where he would give up, give up hope. Many times it is looked upon as, as uh, when man is converted that he, it was once pictured to me that, that a, a building would be burning and if there's a man within the building and the fire started on the bottom, he would run to the top and when it speaks of a death, of a dying unto sin, where man is brought to a place of nothing, where we, he would climb the floors of the building until he reached the top floor, and as the fire came upon him, he would look for the window, and there would be none. There would be no escape. And the fires of God's wrath would come over him, and he would die. But it is here from this death just as it was with the three young men in the Old Testament that Jesus comes and he walks through this fire and he picks us up in our dead state and he breathes life into us and he grants us this spirit because he must strip away all that which was former because it says all things become new and has raised us up together and made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So many are the, the places that we can sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And we can often look at these as, as just the, the brothers and sisters in faith. Those places that, that God has given us. 
Whether there is a time when we are are cast down, a time when we are lonely, a time when we desire to share God's word, a time when we when God's word burns within our hearts. God has given us God's children, this flock that we have here on earth. And we can go one to another and we can share the matters of Christianity. This, I believe, is speaking of those mansions. Those mansions that it speaks of, that he has gone to prepare a place for us. In my Father's house are many mansions. These mansions are the hearts of the children of God. That in the ages to come he might shew the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourself, it is a gift of God, not of works lest any man should boast. And if we have come through that place, through that straight gate where God has stripped us of all, all that is our own, we know that there is nothing that we can, nothing that we can do, nothing that we can hold up before God and say that this is why I deserve to be called a Christian or this is why I deserve to be partaker of heaven. But when God has stripped us of nothing, we can only look upon the crucified Lord. And we can see him as he hangs there. And we can point at him and say, this is why I have the hope of heaven. This is why I can be called a child of God. No, it's not of our works. And man has nothing to boast of. But oftentimes when this text is taken, it is stopped right there. But there is another matter that it speaks of here in the 10th verse. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. When God performs a work within a, in, in a person, there is a change in lifestyle. Sometimes it is spoken of that man doesn't change on the outside. True, there is sin. Sin remains. And man, is, man remains a sinner until the day he dies. But the Bible says that he will take away his heart of stone and give him a heart of flesh. It's written in the Old Testament. God creates a new heart within man. And this heart has a desire to do the will of God. And as it is written in the seventh chapter of Romans, that when man would desire to do good, that evil is there. 
And the good that I would, I do not, and the evil that I would not, that I do. But that is speaking of the, of the heart there, desires to do the good. And in the unconverted man, this isn't so. When man is in an unconverted state, he desires to do that, what he wants to do. And it is contrary to the word of God. And he does it, and he doesn't repent of it. But when God has done a work within a, within a man, man desires to do the will of God. And the devil comes and tries to spoil it, and oftentimes he does. And man sins. But the desire of the heart is such that it is grieved when sin comes. And man immediately repents of the sin within his heart and is sorry for what he has done. This is the heart that God creates within a believer. And with this heart, he desires to do, he desires to walk according to the will of God. As is written in uh, 2 Thessalonians, First Thessalonians, the fourth chapter. The Apostle Paul speaks to the children of God there, and he says, Furthermore, then we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus, that as ye have received of us, how ye ought to walk and to please God, so ye would abound more and more. For ye know what commandments we gave you by the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that ye should abstain from fornication, that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor, not in the lust of concupiscence, even as the Gentiles which know not God. So there is a sanctification. I know the Bible speaks of a sanctification of Christ, which is the work that Jesus has done and performed in our behalf. But there is this, also, this other sanctification that it speaks of, has often been called the sanctification of life or the sanctified walk that it is spoken of here. That because God has worked within our heart and because he has given us of his spirit man desires to do according to the will of God the desire is there within his heart God has placed it there and so so we walk through this through this veil of sorrow until the time comes that Jesus calls us home as we spoke earlier, either singularly or as a group when he comes on the last day. Knowing that sin will be sin will be at the doorstep at every moment. But remember this, that God is also present. 
And he is also there in his arms. His everlasting arms are below, beneath us, to bear us up. And grant us strength that we can one day attain the victory and one day be crowned with the crown of everlasting life. In Jesus' name, amen. May the Lord bless us and keep us. May the Lord make his face shine upon us and be gracious unto us. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon us and give us peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. We'll gather Thursday here at the church at 7.30 for our midweek service. And then next Sunday, Sunday school at 9.30. A communion service following at 10.30. And an evening service at 7. In closing tonight, we'll sing song num- number 91 from the small book. <laughs>